Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. The Travel Addict here, also known as Malcolm Teasdale. Last time up, I did a presentation about how to become bilingual. We went over a lot of stuff here, mainly geared around people who are traveling across the Atlantic. Like when Americans going to Great Britain and the British coming over to North America. What to expect? Translation of some words so they're better off and can fit in with the general population, whether they're going on vacation or working on business. We're going to take it a little bit further this time, and I'm going to start off by looking at some classic American sayings. They're quite common here. A Brit who has never been to America before may hear some of these, and it's going to be scratching his head pretty quickly. So here we go. Here's some uh, classic American sayings. We go, as happy as a clam. Well, obviously, this came from the clam. Open clams give the appearance of smiling. Probably they're happy creatures. The jury is still out. This originated from the New York Times newspaper in 1850. It goes way back about some court case. The term smoke and mirrors. This was named after the stage conjurers who deceived the general public in a theater. That's where it came from, the smoke and mirrors. The tail wagging the dog. I've used this a few times in business, but it actually uh, is quite funny where it came from. The earliest citation I found about this one actually came from the Daily Republican newspaper around 1872, April of 1872, something like that. But it was a statement made. It said, calling to mind Lord Dundreary's conundrum, the Baltimore American thinks that for the Cincinnati Convention to control the Democratic Party, it would be like the tail wagging the dog. Interestingly enough, and that phrase was used obviously a long time ago, and it's still around today. So if someone calls you a couch potato, it means you're probably doing little to no exercise. Now, the Monday morning quarterback, specifically pertaining to, well, I always say specifically, but it pertains to the NFL season, Monday morning QB. Person who passes judgment on and criticizes something after the event. Well, the NFL games are typically on Sunday, so the day after, there's people in the office talking about what the person on the field should have done better to stop being defeated by the opposition, something like that. So they have a talk, they're acting like a Monday morning quarterback. Shoot the breeze. Well, all that means is casual conversation. But to a British person, it means, well, it doesn't mean anything. It sounds like just nonsense. Well, you think that group was sort of strange. Here's some classic British sayings. If someone talks about a person doing a Devon lock, and you have no idea what that means, you may think, well, Devon's sort of a county in the southwestern part of England. Well, that is true. But Devon lock was a famous horse, and he was running in the biggest horse race in Britain one year was called the Grand National. And Devon Lock was out in front winning. For some reason, the horse decided to jump a fence that wasn't there and fell on the ground and eventually lost the horse race. So suffice to say, doing a Devon Lock is crashing and burning when you're winning. Here's a funny one. Oh, Bob's your uncle. It means, well, everything's all right now. There may have been a problem, but everything's all right now. Bob's your uncle. If something fell off the back of a lorry in the uh, United States, it would be a truck, of course, but, but fell off the back of a lorry means it's possibly something that was stolen. And a real strange one here, all talk and no trousers. What on earth does that mean? Well, it means all talk and no action, sort of all bark and no bite. I'm knackered. 
I used this with my neighbor once and I went over there and uh, he said, how are you doing? I said, I'm knackered. And he had no idea what I was talking about. And I've been using this word for a long time, but I went to a different part of America and it confused the hell out of him. It means being tired. That's all it does. Don't get your knickers in a twist. That means don't get bent out of shape. Here's one could happen at a party. Someone could say, we're having a right old knees up. A right old knees up. It means we're having a great time. And one of my favorites, the dog's bollocks. Yeah, the dog bollocks. And there's a beer named after this as well, by the way. It means best, something great. So-and-so at a game of football, well, he was the dog's bollocks. Yes, indeed. Well, then we go back to the United States and we do some regionalizing here. Classic American sayings from different parts of the United States. So if the Brits are coming over, the landing at New York, they may hear a couple of these phrases, which are quite strange. Why are you grilling me? Well, you're not really grilling them. You're just asking them a question. And if it's in the winter, you may hear a term, it's brick outside, put your hat on. Or you go and get a bite to eat for lunch. And you might hear one of the locals say, that sandwich was dumb good. It means it was very good. Oh, dear. When I lived in America, I moved to Boca Raton, Florida to start with. Then I moved up to Wisconsin. That's the Midwest. But then I moved down to Georgia. Quite strange in Georgia or that area. And I came across these phrases. That's quite commonplace, actually. It's not just Georgia, but it's, it's in the South. So how are you all doing? It's like, how are you all doing? Now, the first time I heard this, I was having breakfast in a restaurant by myself. And the waitress came up and said, how are you all doing? I had to look around to see if anyone was with me. Then there is the statement, very similar, are all y'all going out tonight? So I'm thinking that y'all pertains to one person and all y'all pertains to more than one person. I could be wrong. Here's one, if I had my druthers. If I had my druthers, if I had my way, then that's basically what it means. Road hard and put up wet. Well, you can imagine what that is. Probably someone's been working too hard and they're too tired to do anything else. Or it means a saddle on a horse. It's been ridden hard. They take the saddle off and it's put up soaking wet with sweat. Here's a funny one. Nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Yeah, I can imagine a cat being nervous in a room full of rocking chairs, especially a long-tailed one. This is funny. As useful as a trap door on a canoe, which is completely useless, of course. Now, I lived in the Midwest for about 10 years, uh, just uh, outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they had that accent up there, Wisconsin. But here's phrases from that region you might hear, especially uh, like Chicago could be like a touristy area. So people go to Chicago and hear some of these phrases. I have just schnookered, schnookered, S-C-H-N-O-O-K-E-R-E-D. I'm schnookered. It means tired. I could say I'm knackered, someone could say I'm schnookered. Why do they always put a bubbler near a restroom? Interestingly, well, because you get a drink of water when you come out. It's a water fountain. And this one doesn't really mean a whole lot, but I remember hearing it quite a bit. I'm going to the mall. Do you want to come with? Well, the answer is come with what? With who? Yeah, they seem to miss a word here. I'm going to the mall. Do you want to come with? One that could be pertaining to going to the mall. I was at the store, don't you know? Oh, really? And uh, this one, I never thought I'd hear this. This word, the word pop, 
exist in Britain as well, by the way. But when someone said, I'm going to get a pop from Burger King, that means a, a, fuzzy, uh, a fizzy drink. California, yeah, more sort of hippie-ish, so to speak. So you might hear the phrase, hey, man, stop tripping out. Or someone who's staring at someone in the distance, and they might say to you, hey, look at that sketchy guy over there in the corner talking to himself. Or something funny happens or weird happens and someone's going to say, wow, that was really gnarly. G-N-A-R-L-E-Y. And the final one from California, if someone was out having a good time last night and you recognize that, you may see it, say to them the next day, hey, you were really gigging last night. G-I-G-G-I-N, gigging. <laughs> funny, isn't it? Those phrases from different parts of the United States are a bit weird, but when you come back and look at what's in Britain, it gets even stranger, mainly because the accents are a lot stronger and the dialects are, are, are really strange. A Cockney, a true Cockney, there's not many. I mean, Cockneys come from an area of London. They're supposed to, a good friend of mine, his wife, actually lives, uh, she's a true Cockney because she lives in the region in the range of the sound of Bow Bells. It's a church, I'm assuming, right? But all Londoners can be classed as somewhat cockney. If someone says, I'm going to make some rosy leaf for the trouble and strife, yes, they do speak in rhymes. It means I'm going to make some tea for the wife. Or someone could say, uh-oh, Barney Rubble. Yeah, Barney Rubble from the Flintstone. Barney Rubble. Trouble. Uh-oh, trouble. I do not want to hear Dickie Bird from you, please. It means I don't want to hear anything from you. And more cockney. Past the dog and bone, need to reach the cows and kisses. Now, in the Cockney version of the English language, if you thought about this, it sort of makes sense. We haven't got time to figure that out. I'm just going to tell you. Past the phone, I need to reach the missus. M-I-S-S-U-S, by the way. Missus. Now, the opposite end of the country, way north, the area of Newcastle, Pontine, and Durham. They're classed as Georges. My father was a Geordie. He came from the great city of Durham. He didn't have much of an accent, though, because during the World War II days, he was moved away from that area of England. But you'll hear such phrases like, why a man? Why a man? means, of course, yes. This is a funny one. Who's the tune ganging? It means, how are the tune going? Okay, how are the tune going? Well, the tune is the nickname of uh, Newcastle United's soccer team. So someone's asking, how are Newcastle United doing this year? Who's the tune gamut? And here's one that was uh, actually spoken in the movie The Full Monty. You might not remember it. The, the, the movie's got full of phrases in there that's somewhat difficult to understand if you're not a Brit. But one time someone said, now to strangers folk. It's actually a, a quite a true statement. And at all the weirdness in the world, in your country, there's nothing as strange as people, are there? It's people that are weird in most cases. But the way they say it there, now as strange as folk. I have a good friend who's from Liverpool. And people from Liverpool, they call them scousers for whatever reason. I don't know the history there. But anyway, you might hear a phrase of, I'm going down the Aussie, mate. O-Z-Z-Y as opposed to O-Z-Z-Y. I'm going down the Aussie, mate. It means I'm going down the hospital. The Brits do abbreviate a lot of stuff. A divvy. If you call someone a divvy, it means someone who's stupid. Yeah, you're a divvy. 
you're stupid. This one is pretty weird, though. Me, me, me sister was doing me nutting, so I went to town on her. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So if you were in London, uh, Liverpool for the first time and you heard that, you just got to say, i got to get out of this place. My, my sister was doing me nutting, so I went to town on her. What it really means is my sister was annoying me so much I had to tell her off. And the last one from the Liverpool area we may hear is me Ed's chocker. Me Ed's chocker. Chocker, C-H-O-C-K-A. I talk about abbreviation. It means my head's full of information. Don't tell me any more stuff. Now we venture off into the Midlands. Now, I'm from, I'm from the Midlands. I'm from Coventry, which is 15 miles from Birmingham. Coventry has its own lingo, variation of the language, different from Birmingham, believe it or not. They're only 50 miles apart. doesn't matter how close or how far, they, far away they are. You'll see differences or you'll hear differences. So in Birmingham, they could say, I'm popping down the outdoor. doesn't make any sense. If popping down the outdoor, well, an outdoor is an off-license where they sell booze. It's like going in America to a liquor store and buying a six-pack of beer or a bottle of wine. This one is really funny. In fact, this is more commentary-ish, I think. When someone's annoyed at someone else, you could actually give him a good lamping. It's a punishment, yeah. Basically, you say, pick up a lamp and hit it over their head. It doesn't mean that physically, it's just the connotation of it. It means just punish him, do something to him, give him a good lamp in. This next one is a commentary-ish type of statement as well. Hey, Mrs. Smith, is your son wagging it? Wagging it, W-A-G-G-I-N-G. What on earth does that mean? It could be the school teacher saying to one of the kids at school, talking to his mother, hey, Mrs. Smith, is your son staying away from school for a reason? Like, he's, he's wagging it. He's, he should be at school, but he's not. He's feigning an excuse. Now, if we move into Scotland, yes, the Scottish is like another language. It really is. And if you actually, my, I've been to Scotland a couple of times, but I never went to Scotland until, oh, I don't know, within the last 15 years, right? But I, when I was living in England, I never went to Scotland for whatever reason. But my take on it is the further north you go in Scotland, the more incomprehensible the language is. Further south, not so much. You go to Edinburgh, which is, which is fairly south, and pretty much understand when You're going to hear an accent, of course. Here's one. Your bum zoot the window. Makes zero sense at all. It means you're talking rubbish. And when New Year's Eve comes up, you may hear the term, lang may your lum reek. Lang may your lum reek. Well, that means I wish you well. May you live long and stay well. The last one is foo the new. F-U apostrophe the new. N-O-O. Foo the new. If you think about this, it's sort of you could translate it. If someone says to you, do you want some more dinner or do you want another beer? I said, no, I'm foo for new. It means I'm full for now. Welsh. I lived there for Wales for a year in a in a place called Llandogo, spelled L-A-L-L-A-N-D-O-G-O. It's the two L's is pronounced like a C and an F together, which is difficult anyway. So Wales, our beautiful countryside. The language, though, differs. They do have their own language. It's probably the most incomprehensible language on the planet. Now, there is an area in South America that actually the people there, they do speak Welsh. And I think it was because some Welsh emigrated 
decades ago, decades ago, and they settled in there and the generations grew um, down in that area. Some things get lost in translation in Wales because they have their own language, basically. And it's, if you look at it, it's virtually unreadable. Even the name Wales is pronounced Cymru, which I think is C-Y-M-R-U or something like that. It, it makes no sense how it sounds. But things get lost in translation. What I mean by this is you could hear something like this. This is an example. Whose coat is that jacket hanging on the floor? <laughs> it's something got lost in tra translation there. You might hear someone say, there it was, gone. Oh, really? And this one is really confusing. I'll be there now in a minute. Now, there is, I, I can't speak Welsh. And if you looked at the uh, the characters, how they're, they're, they're wired together here, it's virtually uh, unpronounceable. There's one here called Di Wed In Da Am Di Gafael Am Di Erlin Di Wed Dim. Now, I'd have to have a Welsh accent to say this. It probably makes sense by saying a Welsh accent. Uh, but what it really means is speak well of your friends, of your enemies, say nothing. As I mentioned before, I was born and raised in the city of Coventry in England, population of about 300,000 people, and it's about 100 miles north of London and about 15 miles east of the second city, Birmingham. Here's some words from Coventry that I grew up with. The word batch. Well, another word for batch is roll or cob. It's, yeah, it's a bread roll, basically. I don't know why Coventry landed up translating this into something called a batch. Now, the typical favourite batch is pork batch. Word mardi. It means moody. Yeah, you could call one mardi, but it means moody. Pumps. Yeah, I'm going to put my pumps on today to play tennis. It means tennis shoes, exactly. There's a number of words for this. You might be familiar with restroom, the john, etc. In Coventry, they called it a lab. Coventrians have a tendency to abbreviate stuff, the lab or lavatory. And if you get ratted, it means you get drunk. And if you try to think about someone's name, oh, yeah, I had a telephone call from Ujima call it. Because, you know, everyone forgets people's names. But Ujima call it is a sort of acceptable word to explain somebody's name if you don't, can't remember what it was at the time. And if you're caggy-handed, C-A-G-G-Y, caggy-handed, it means you are clumsy. Let's move on. Now, there are certain subjects that Americans and British should not discuss with each other. Yeah, and I've had many of these just discussions before. The reason we argue is because we think we're right, or maybe we're wrong, we just don't understand things, right? And it's like you go to other parts of the world, you just don't want to talk about particular subjects, right? Especially when it comes to sport, right? The game of football. Football is the world's game. It's played with the feet. But in America, it's pretty much played with the hands. Basically, the question is, what is a real football? And I've had many discussions about American football, soccer. We have to call it soccer over here where I am. So otherwise, you know, it wouldn't make much sense what I'm saying. Also, discussions about the NFL football and rugby. Yeah, which is a tougher sport? Well, there's arguments on both sides. Just not worth getting into that argument, right? I mean, the Brits or the, the New Zealanders, which are the best team in the world, or Australia or South Africa, said, well, 
Why all the, do, do the NFL football players wear pads and helmets? Yeah, but there's arguments both sides. Baseball and cricket. Baseball, I think, is boring. You know, it lasts nine innings, and it takes about three hours to get through the game. I was born and raised on cricket, and I asked my dad to explain it, and he just didn't want to. He just said, watch it and learn. Okay, so I learned how to play cricket. I learned the rules. It took a while. It's the only sport in the world that can last five days and end up in a draw. Just it doesn't make sense anyway, does it? But cricket is actually one of the oldest sports in the world. Baseball is the national sport of the USA. It's played, played in a number of countries. It's down in the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, US Virgin Islands, for example, uh, Dominican Republic, and some other countries play uh, baseball. But there's been many variations of baseball around the world. Sapelo is a variation of baseball, which is a national sport of Finland. Baseball was derived from the game of rounders. It's when the people came over from Britain to America, the children in Britain were used to play the game of rounders, and they brought that over with them. And over time, rounders got translated into baseball. That is the story of that. Now, I played rounders when I first started school uh, before I, it was classed with, well, we can't, can't learn cricket, it's too difficult to learn. We played rounders, but it was a simplified version of obviously baseball to what it is today. The monarchy, yeah, the monarchy. We have the royal family over in Britain. Many, many countries in the world have monarchies, of course. And then the last one, well, especially don't talk about this subject if you've been drinking beer. Yeah, beer. What's the best beer, interestingly enough? So those are things we should not discuss. Interesting place names from Britain. And there are all over the world, actually. People who go to England or, or, or Britain say to me, why on earth are these places named the way they are? Let me just go over a few with you. I've been to most of these places. There's Upper Slaughter. It's in the middle of the countryside. Next to Upper Slaughter is Lower Slaughter. Nothing sinister goes on there, by the way, just to let you know. Stow on the Wold is a beautiful village in the middle of the Cotswolds countryside. It was named after a person many, many years ago. Morton in Marsh. Wooden Under Edge, Ashby de la Zouch, Berwick on Tweed, Ross on Wye, Simmons Yat, Morton on the Water, East Grinstead, Splat, Boghead, Ugly, Old Sodbury, Barking, and Boggy Bottom. Well, if you thought the names of those places were a little strange, wait till you hear about this one. Somewhere in the northwestern area of Wales, there is this town famous for its railway station. I cannot pronounce it because it has so many letters in it. So what I'm going to do is leave it up to the weatherman to tell you about it. Look out for when he says, just up the road from. That will give you the name of the place right after it. Okay, listen carefully now. Now today we had a big contrast in temperature across the UK, just 12 degrees over coastal parts of eastern England with cloudy skies, but in the sunshine in northwest Wales at RAF Mona, just up the road from the temperature got to 21 Celsius at 70 in Fahrenheit. Just to let you know, that name does in fact mean something. There is a translation. It roughly means this. St. Mary's Church in the hollow of the White Hazel near a rapid whirlpool and the church of Ticilio near the Red Cave. Unbelievable, isn't it? Anyway, that was the description of what that town is all about. Well, folks, 
it's time for me to get out of here. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. And if you get a chance, please feel free to check out my website, malcolmjtsdale.com, M-A-L-C-O-L-M-J-T-E-A-S-D-A-L-E. Great to be talking to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you.